right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Perplexity, a mystery podcast. As always, I am your host, Kadra, and I hope you guys have been having a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have another wild and perplexing story for you guys, as always. Today, we will be talking about the screaming schoolgirls of Malaysia. And after we talk about this crazy story and kind of let it unfold, we will get into some theories as to what could possibly be causing this strange phenomenon. But a couple of quick things, top of the show. First and foremost, please, if you have not yet, leave a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. Or if you're tuning in on YouTube so you can see my face, (laughs) subscribe to the YouTube channel. That is the best way to support the podcast. And when you subscribe to the YouTube channel, it will also let you know when a new episode has dropped. Uh, If you're listening on a podcast, go ahead and just hit the follow button. Then you can also keep up that way with when a new episode has come out. It really helps the show and I will forever be grateful to you. And for those of you who have already done that, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your support. If you have a topic request for a future episode or you have a story you want to share with me, check out my Instagram and send me a DM. That is Perplexity Mystery Podcast. Or you can email me, perplexitymysterypodcast at gmail. You can also now check out my website and send messages that way. So if you want the website link, I have not bought a domain yet, so I would rather just tell you to find it this way. Um, Go to the podcast description and you'll find the link there. It's like a really long link because, again, I haven't bought a domain yet. There's kind of no reason for me to right now because the podcast is really small. Um, But I did want to make a website, so you can find it that way. Or if you go to the link in my Instagram bio, my flow code link, that'll show you my website link in there. I think it's the very first button. And that'll also show you all the other great ways you can support the podcast and keep in touch with me. If you missed last week's episode, I covered a really cool, crazy paranormal uh, episode. That was the story of the ghosts of the tsunami. And that was a story of the aftermath of the horrible tsunami in Japan in 2011. And I also shared a really good paranormal listener story. So definitely go back and listen to that if you missed it. Trigger warning for today's episode. This episode will contain content that may be considered disturbing to some listeners, so listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners below the age of 13. Also, please don't forget all of the sources for today's episode will be listed in the show notes, so check those out if you want to see where my sources are from. All right, let's get into this story. It was a typical Friday morning, July 18th, 2018, for 17-year-old student Siti Nuranisa. Siti lived in Ketura, a city in northeast Malaysia, and attended Ketura National Secondary School, also known as SMK Ketura. SMK looked like any other Malaysian high school, with giant trees and fresh coats of gray and bright yellow paint. City lived in a modest, single-story terrace home with a weathered red roof and a green exterior. 
So that morning, City woke up, got herself ready, and rode her motorbike to her school. City started attending class when something strange and sudden occurred. This is her account of what happened. Quote, The assembly bells rang. I was at my desk feeling sleepy when I felt a hard, sudden tap on my shoulder. I turned round to see who it was, and the room went dark. Fear overtook me. I felt a sharp, splitting pain in my back, and my head started spinning. I fell to the floor. Before I knew it, I was looking into the other world. Scenes of blood, gore, and violence. The scariest thing I saw was a face of pure evil. It was haunting me. I couldn't escape. I opened my mouth and tried to scream, but no sound came out. I passed out, end quote. City's best friend, Rusidia Roslan, described the event, saying, quote, City was screaming uncontrollably. No one knew what to do. We were afraid to even touch her, end quote. Then, things got even stranger. Within minutes, other students in other classrooms began to scream out, terrified. Their cries echoed through the halls of the school. One girl even fainted, later claiming to have seen the same dark figure. A woman who ran a popular stall across the street, selling local rice dishes, had been preparing food that morning when she heard the screams of the schoolgirls. She described the cries as deafening. Classroom doors were shut, and panicked teachers and students barricaded themselves into the classroom. So basically at this point, there's a ton of screaming. No one really knows why or what's going on. So I guess in a panic, they all went into their classrooms, shut themselves in. Soon, Islamic spiritual healers and a witch doctor arrived and performed a mass prayer session. They were there for hours. This strange experience went on for many hours through the end of the school day. By then, 39 students and teachers had been affected. The woman who ran the local stall would later see nine girls being carried out of their classrooms, kicking and screaming. City would later say in a BBC News interview that stress often affected her. She felt most stressed in her final school year that year in 2018, as she was preparing for her exams. She said, quote, I was preparing for weeks, trying to memorize my notes, but something was wrong. It felt like nothing was going into my head, end quote. After the incident that Friday morning in July, it would take City a month to recover. She was unable to sleep or eat properly for weeks. SMK Ketra is unfortunately not the only school, especially in this area, to have experienced something like this. In early 2016, similar phenomenons occurred in many schools across Malaysia. A local reporter, Firdas Hassan, said, quote, Officials could not handle the multiple outbreaks and shut all the schools. Cases were happening nonstop, spreading from one school to another, end quote. In the nearby town of Pengkalan Chepa, students and teachers at one point were described as becoming possessed after claiming to have seen a dark and shadowy figure. 
they claimed it was lurking around the compound. Around 100 people were affected by this. One teacher said she felt a heavy presence hanging onto her, while another teacher claimed the black figure was, quote, attempting to enter her body, end quote. Another teacher said these children can be disobedient and sometimes throw their rubbish around the school grounds. Perhaps they hit some gins, which are ghosts, and offended the spirits, end quote. The principal of the school, Siti Hawa Matt, said, quote, 100 teachers had reported seeing a black figure and added it was the first time an incident like this had been reported in the school since it opened in 2001. A student named Siti Ain, who studied at SMK Pinkalan Chepa II, remembered the school as being, quote, the most haunted school in all of Malaysia, end quote. The student also said, quote, the scare lasted hours, but it took months for life to return to normal, end quote. When Siti Ain was interviewed, she took reporters to a secluded basketball court that was close to the school, and she also said that that was where all of the strange phenomenon for her school seemed to have first started. She pointed to a row of tree stumps and said that her schoolmates had seen an elderly woman there standing in the trees, and she couldn't see what they saw, but their reactions were real. So it was like some type of ghost or evil spirit. Even dating back to 1976, a boarding school in neighboring Kuantan City experienced a similar event, where during a campus singing competition, a female student claimed to have seen a smiling Buddhist monk on top of a nearby dormitory. And this terrified the student, and she let out this very loud, blood-curdling scream. Witch doctors had to come to the campus and perform exorcisms on 30 affected girls. So let's get into some theories of what the heck is going on here. One really large theory is that these are all examples of what has become known as mass hysteria. Mass hysteria, or mass psychogenic illness, is defined as the rapid spread of physical symptoms, such as hyperventilation and twitching, among a substantial group of people, with no plausible organic cause. There have been a lot of examples of mass hysteria throughout history, such as the Salem Witch Trials, the Dancing Plague, Similar outbreaks have also been reported to have happened in Catholic convents, in Mexico, Italy, and France, in monasteries, uh, in schools in Kosovo, and even among cheerleaders in rural North Carolina. A very recent example of mass hysteria would be QAnon and the insurrection of the Capitol in DC on January 6th, 2021. American medical sociologist and author Robert Bartholomew explains mass hysteria is, quote, a collective stress response prompting an overstimulation of the nervous system. Think of it as a software problem, end quote. It's important to note that mass hysteria is not listed in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders of the DSM, and very little is known about mass hysteria. Not a lot of people study it, so there's definitely things that cannot be explained with this, and we will get more into that later. But from what 
experts have gathered so far, they often view mass hysteria as a collective behavior. Dr. Simon Wesley from King's College Hospital in London explained, quote, the symptoms experienced are real, fainting, palpitations, headaches, nausea, shaking, and even fits. It's often attributed to a medical condition, but for which no conventional biomedical explanation can be found, end quote. Mass hysteria has also been attributed to the psychological and social environment the group of people are in. So for example, if this collective group of individuals is under a lot of stress, uh, maybe there's a lot of like anger or violence, uh, it's going to increase the chances of mass hysteria occurring, which makes sense if you follow cult activity, like in my episode I just released recently about Rajneesh Puram, they would have these, what could be seen as episodes of mass hysteria, where like the whole commune would freak out on each other and start beating each other up and yelling and seizing on the floor, dancing maniacally. So there's a lot of examples of this. It's also interesting, I did find some sources that say mass hysteria most commonly occurs among females, and Malaysia is, for whatever reason, a lot more prone to these incidents. So there are some theories on that. Mass hysteria incidents were particularly prevalent among factory workers in Malaysia during the 1960s, and today it largely affects their children in schools and dormitories. Robert Bartholomew has spent decades researching this phenomenon in Malaysia. He calls Malaysia the mass hysteria capital of the world. One reason for this may be, according to Bartholomew, that Malaysia is deeply religious and it's a very spiritual country where many people believe in powers of traditional folklore and the supernatural. So basically, they're more prone to like having things like this happen to them because they believe it. So like they're more likely to see it, experience it. One of the theories with mass hysteria is that it's always believed to start with what's called an index case, where you have this first person, this single person that becomes affected, and basically their vibe rubs off on everybody else. In the first story I told, the index case would be the 17-year-old student, Siti. The mass hysteria can start with one person, then quickly spread to others, which makes sense. That's psychologically how our brains are mapped, especially if you're empathetic, if you're in touch with other people, if you spend a lot of time with them, if you have shared experiences. There's definitely things of this theory that make sense to me. Academic Afik Noor says, quote, Malay Muslim girls attend school under rigid religious discipline. They observe stricter dress codes and can't listen to music, which isn't Islamic, end quote. So basically, because they're under these strict guidelines, they're restricted, they're more likely to experience stress, anxiety, depression, which can increase the chances for mass hysteria occurring. Mass hysteria can last for weeks, months, and in rare cases, years. In 1987, a similar outbreak involving 36 Muslim girls in a Malay hotel in Alor Star, Kedah, lasted for five years. 
Girls were shouting, running, confused, crying, and appeared to be in trances under spiritual possession. They would move bizarrely, just very odd. But in all of these cases, just as suddenly as this mass hysteria starts, it stops with seemingly no explanation. So let's get into the other theory, which is, of course, that this is a paranormal phenomenon, right? Because people are saying they're seeing these dark shadowy figures, they're being touched by nothing they can see, they're having these really dark, creepy visions, they're being possessed. There is a big paranormal belief here for a lot of people. And this theory seems to latch with a lot of the people who have personally experienced mass hysteria in this area. Malaysia is known to have a fascination with ghosts, and this is deeply rooted in shamanic tradition and Southeast Asian folk mythology. Kelantan is also the most religious and conservative area in all of Malaysia, so some people believe it's more prone to paranormal phenomena. And that makes sense because most of these events seem to happen in Kelantan. Children grow up in this area hearing stories about dead infants called toil, invoked by shamans, including black magic. And they hear about other terrifying ghosts that are said to be vampires of some kind, like the Pontianic and Penangalon. Not sure if I'm saying those right. But these are known to be vengeful, powerful female spirits that feed on the living. Trees and burial sites are common settings for people to hear these tales, and these locations are known to stoke fear that can feed into these superstitious beliefs. In fact, after the really strange events that happened in Pinkalan Chapa 2 at the school back in 2016, a bunch of workers came in with these electric saws and they actually cut the trees down, thinking that that would stop this phenomenon. Which is why when they interviewed that girl and she was saying what happened when they saw the old woman, she was pointing to the tree stumps. There used to be trees there. And these workers came and cut them down, thinking it would stop these ghosts. Many of the students in this area do not see this event as an example of mass hysteria. They identify it as being a supernatural or a paranormal event. Zaki Yah, a spiritual healer in the area with 20 years experience, believes in the power of jinn, spirits in Middle Eastern and Islamic cosmology that appear in a variety of shapes and forms. Ziki Yah explains, quote, We share our world with these unseen beings. They are good or bad and can be defeated by faith, end quote. After Siti Nuranisa's experience at school, she began seeing Zaki Yah. Zaki Yah does believe that mental health plays a role in many of these cases, but he also strongly believes in the power of jinn. He says, quote, Science is important, but it can't fully explain the supernatural. Non-believers won't understand these attacks unless it happened to them, end quote. Since this event, security at SMK has actually been heightened. Their safety program was restructured, and there were some staff changes. Uh, also, daily prayer and psychology sessions were introduced into the school. A more controversial approach comes from a team of Islamic academics in Pahang who developed 
the Anti-Hysteria Kit. And this came out in 2016. It's pretty expensive. Specifically, the kit is priced at 8,750 Malaysian ringgit, which is 1,700 pounds or 2,100 US dollars. And this kit includes formic acid, ammonia inhalants, pepper spray, and bamboo pinchers, which are meant to induce pain in the possessed person and drive out the demons and spirits. And I've heard things like this before of like, if someone is possessed, sometimes they'll put like a needle un under the person's fingernail to try to like drive out the spirit. So I thought that was interesting. According to the Quran, evil spirits are not able to tolerate such items. Dr. Mahiuddin Ismail developed the kit, saying his goal is to combine science and the supernatural. According to BBC News, the kits have been used by two schools and solved more than 100 cases of this possession or mass hysteria, whichever one you believe. This kit has received widespread criticism, though. A former minister, Kerry Jamaluddin, called it, quote, the mark of a backward society. It's nonsensical, absurd superstition. We want Malaysians to be scientific and innovative, not remain entrenched in supernatural beliefs, end quote. Other people, though, such as clinical psychologist Irma Ismail, see the benefit of this kit, saying, quote, Malaysian culture has its own take on the phenomenon. A more realistic approach is integrating spiritual beliefs with adequate mental health treatment, end quote. But with this paranormal theory, could buying into this be harmful? Simon Wesley, a British psychiatrist and director of the King's Centre for Mil Military Health Research at King's College London, has reflected on hundreds of similar episodes across Malaysia. He has studied this strange phenomenon for the past three decades. Wesley recalled an incident where students held a Malay teacher hostage at knife point. But they were later released without charge when they blamed the event on the supernatural. Another incident saw a prolonged case of mass hysteria when a principal was sexually abusing female students, and the mass hysteria ceased when the principal was fired. So we may never know what caused the schoolgirls throughout Malaysia to be so terrified, whether it was a demon, a spirit, or perhaps high amounts of stress and anxiety created this perfect storm for mass hysteria. But one cannot deny these stories are certainly perplexing. And that is the story of the screaming schoolgirls of Malaysia. So what do you guys think? Do you think this could be paranormal? Do you think it's just another example of mass hysteria? Let me know. I know we have some listeners in Malaysia too, so I would love to hear y'all's take on this or if you've had any experience with something like this. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please don't forget those ways to support the podcast. Take two seconds and hit the follow button, hit the five star button. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. It really does help so much and I look forward to talking to you guys next week. Bye.